Hello, this is Examiner Radio, the weekly radio show and podcast that covers news, politics, and all things Halifax. I'm Tim Bousquet, editor of the Halifax Examiner, which is available online at halifaxexaminer.ca. Also in the studio is Examiner Radio producer Russell Gregg. Hey, Russ. How are you, Tim? Good. Damp. Damp. <laughs> yeah, it's... it's uh, God, this is one heck of a storm today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, we're recording this on Thursday, so I, you know, by the time people actually hear this, it could be sunny and 12 degrees above. So. Mm-hmm. Or more rain. Or yeah. Who knows? Yeah. This is episode number 90, 90 mm-hmm. of Examiner Radio. And as always, you can listen to the show on CKDU 88.1 FM. That's in Halifax every Friday at 4.30 or via their website at www.ckdu.ca and you can also subscribe to the podcast on a variety of different platforms including iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn and podcast.com. You can find it uh, just by going to whatever your preferred podcast aggregator is and search for Halifax Examiner. It's going to be the first result and just click subscribe. It's funny how people get so uh upset and motivated about uh, podcasts uh, publishing things. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. From all angles, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, whatever, but I I just am am always amazed to get a nasty email about, (laughs) how come you don't do it on this platform or whatever? It's it's not because we have any uh, inside deal with uh, Apple. iTunes (laughs) or anything. Uh, It's just so we're lazy. Yeah. Um, Or incompetent, (laughs) one or the other. Today... We are speaking with a whole bunch of people about education. We have Tina Roberts-Jeffers, who's with the Parents for Teachers. And then we have uh, a student, Kenzie Donnelly, who is with Students for Teachers. Uh, and we also speak with Liette Doucette, who's the president of Nova Scotia Teachers Union. A.K.A. Teachers for Teachers. Yes, and we, we also... Uh, Attempted to get a government representative on this show, Russ. You're you're the producer here, and you're yeah. responsible for that. Can you can you walk us through uh, what happened there? Yeah. So I I, I reached out to uh, Minister Karen Casey's office. We had a an email exchange going back about two weeks, and initially it sounded like they were they were interested, and then they pulled back at first because. The teachers were, they were going back to the negotiating table and they said it wouldn't be right to, to comment on and things to while be we fair, were at the, the teacher's union said the same thing. Yeah. That. Uh, yeah. So the, no, that's, that was perfectly justified. And that was why we, we didn't do a big feature on, uh, the labor dispute last week. Uh, but the talks subsequently broke off. I reached out to, uh, Karen Casey's office again. Uh, the first response was, well, who are you going to interview from the teacher's union? And we weren't interviewing these people together. No, no, no. They're yeah. they're all one on one interviews. And I I wrote back and I said, well, does that shouldn't matter, should it? Uh, right. You know, we just want to get you know the 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 government's uh, side on this. And uh, the final response yesterday was, uh, uh, I'm sorry, the minister is not available to participate in your show. I can tell you that we are disappointed that the NSTU has chosen to discontinue negotiations and initiate job action. This government is committed to investing in education, and we want to assure parents and guardians that we will continue to do everything we can to find a resolution. We remain hopeful that negotiations will resume with the NSTU so that any impacts to student learning and programming 
may be avoided. So that's the official statement from uh, Minister Casey's office. Well, okay. I mean, we gave him the chance. I'd, I'd have a lot of more questions for them mm-hmm. had, had they shown here, shown up, and maybe we could dive into some of those issues. But uh, their lost opportunity. Correct. Uh, this uh, teacher's conflict, the labor strife, uh, is sort of dominating the news this week. Do you want to talk about anything else, or do you want to just there, dive there, I mean, there really isn't it, there isn't much else in the news. You know, Premier, Premier McNeil seems hell-bent on pissing off um, – Everybody uh, first was at the end of last week, and uh, the, uh, the the conquered people uh, known as the Mi'kmaq. Uh, do you want to explain what that all, how that all went down? Well, it was it was a court filing, uh, a, a legal brief uh, related to the Alton gas dispute, and um, the, you know the provincial lawyer uh, put uh, that uh, their claims could be ignored because they were a conquered people. Um, which they are not. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's never been a any treaties besides a uh, you know peace and friendship treaty um, recognizing their rights. Uh, so I don't I don't know. It seems to have been rather boneheaded. We could talk about that at length, but um, there, there it sits. The, mm-hmm. the premier apologized. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I'll give him credit for for doing that. Uh, yeah, it's hard to believe that he didn't know that was in the legal brief, though. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, and then you know the second group he he pissed off were, were the teachers again. This time by recording a video lamenting the breakdown of the talks before the talks had actually concluded, and somebody I believe from uh, from the Progressive Conservative PCs, office yeah. uh, discovered this, figured it, figured out a, a time mark or a watermark in the video, and realizes like, hey, wait a minute. This was recorded while the negotiations were still going on. Well, it was light outside, right? Right, it, right. It, it, the premier uh, was standing in front of a, a window, and it was daylight outside, and the negotiations didn't break down until it was dark. Uh-huh. Uh, so that was the first indication. <laughs> uh, um, not not a bright move. Uh, uh, no, no. Is it indicative of the liberal government's unwillingness to, to negotiate in good faith, that they were already... They already well, expected the negotiations to fail? Well, who knows? I, I think, you know, maybe it's just good communication strategy to have these things in the can, but uh, they did it so poorly that, you know, the optics were bad. So, right. Yeah. Right. Uh, and for uh, for all the journalists and media professionals that uh, the McNeil administration has hired, and there are a lot of them. Five in his uh, immediate inner circle. Yeah. They really bungled the communications message here. Yeah, they were tweeting stuff over the weekend, and that was their way of getting information out. And it, uh, the tweets were confusing and uh, inaccurate and uh, left everyone kind of scratching their head. So, yeah, I don't know. We're spending, I, I think I calculated $650,000 a year just on these five people, and they can't even get a simple message uh, on on a, a very important pile, mm-hmm. uh, right? Yeah, $650,000. Man, you could run a really good newsroom for that for that amount of salary. Oh, oh yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> man, if we had $650,000, we'd have a water cooler. <laughs> uh, listen, uh, this is really, uh, as I said, there's really not that much else going on. Uh, that's all anybody seems to be talking about, whether they're, whether they're parents or students or not. Um, so let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to speak with Liette Doucette, the uh, president of the Nova Scotia Teachers Union. We'll also be speaking with Tina Roberts-Jeffords 
and uh, Kenzie Donnelly, uh, who represent parents for teachers and students for teachers, respectively. Yep. You're listening to Examiner Radio. I'm joined on the phone by Liette Doucette, who is the president of the Nova Scotia Teachers Union. Hello. Hello. Thanks for uh, having the time for us today. We are talking on Thursday, and tomorrow's Friday, and uh, job action for the teachers starts on Monday. Can you tell us what that is? Well, basically, uh, teachers will be teaching, and um, they will be communicating with parents uh, if they have students who are at risk or special needs that will continue Um, however anything extra will not be done teachers will be arriving 20 minutes prior to the bell and leaving 20 minutes after the end of the instructional day and um, they they will basically be getting back to just teaching they will be focused on their students and focused on planning for their students and focused on uh, creating assessments uh, that will uh, directly inform them as to how their students are doing. Now, this is uh, being labeled work to rule. So this is actually living to the terms of the con- the existing contract, correct? It, it, not necessarily. Um, when you do work to rule, um, it can be also called partial withdrawal of services. Um, there, there are things that are contractual that teachers will not be required to do um, as well, for example, uh, attend staff meetings. Staff okay. meetings are part of the contract, but they will not be required to attend. I see. Um, 20 minutes before school, 20 minutes after, but uh, still outside of those hours, they're doing things like uh, creating lesson plans and grading and uh, planning. Is that yes. okay? So yes, that, as long as it relates directly to their students in the classroom and relates to the actual lessons that they're planning for those students. The missing part, I guess, is the attending after-school events, uh, clubs, sports, uh, theater, etc. Mm-hmm. Entering data, collecting data, all of those, all of the inputting that they're required to do, which takes hours and hours and hours of their time. Um, all of those things as well. I, I want to return to the data in, in just a bit, but uh, first, I, I just want to uh, tease out a bit uh, the all this extra. We'll call it extra stuff, um, you know, the after-school uh, sports and, and, and all those sort of things. Not built into the contract. So can you tell me teachers are, are have been committing a great amount of time, I mean, many, many hours a week to this sort of thing, and it's expected of them? Or how, how, is it, how has it happened that this has become the teacher's job without it being part of the contract? Um, most times teachers 
are volunteering for, for those events and for those activities. Teachers enjoy doing those things. Teachers um, are engaging with their students on a different level, getting to know their students in a different way. And, uh, you know, teachers aren't happy about not being able to do those things, but at the same time, they're recognizing that we do need to take a stand. We do, um, you know, we're fighting for better education for our students, and that's the bottom line. And right now, it's come to the point where teachers need to stop doing all of those things, whether it's become an expectation or not, or if it's something that's voluntary, um, something stu- the teachers enjoy doing. Um, it's it's time to um, show the government all of the things that we are doing, the, the huge scope of activities that are taking um, time from the classroom or things that teachers are doing over and above what is expected of them. The uh, the message could go a couple ways, I guess. Uh, it could be that parents uh, become um, increasingly aware of just how much teachers uh, are giving of their time and, and resources to um, to help their children, and that becomes a political force against the government. I suppose there could be some parents who see it the other way around, that, uh, um, oh, you're, you're hurting my children by taking the time away from them, but uh, it, it seems to me that you, you think the former rather than the latter. Well, of course, there are both. What I'm what I'm hearing from a lot of parents is that is that parents actually do realize that many of these things are done over and above, and they appreciate those things. And they're also realizing that the government is not appreciating that. The government is not appreciating teachers, and they're not treating teachers fairly at this point. Yeah. So many of many of our parents while they recognize that those things are extras and that teachers aren't required to do them, they're also, um, you know, along with being disappointed, obviously, as teachers are, they do recognize that teachers are doing this for a reason. Because if they they didn't want to do those things in the first place, they wouldn't be doing them because they're not requirements. But uh, at this point, um, I am hearing from many parents who are realizing that that it is time to to do something. I want to especially talk about the the data issue because when i talk to teachers privately i inevitably always hear complaints about the computer systems and the data uh entry that's required of them and i'm told that uh first of all it's very time consuming it's they're not clean systems um it's it's not a simple matter of data entry that that they're complicated and and uh, redundant and um on top of that it's an insult to their professionalism um it's micromanagement etc i have i covered all the bases or do you want to elaborate on that no i think you pretty much have it (laughs) yeah how many hours are we talking about Oh, well, it depends on the week. It depends on uh, the time of year as well. It depends on uh, whether assessments are being done, uh, what type of assessments, whether it's report card time or um, time to update individual program plans. I mean, for one student, it could be, uh, you know, anywhere from one to two hours. Uh, A week or a day or what what are we talking about? Well, it depends. It could be um, several times per year. Uh-huh. So when you're talking about a class of 25, you know, that that's a lot of hours. Yeah. And it's not just once a year. I mean, it's ongoing through the year, but there are certain times during the year when um, the inputting of data is, uh, 
there's more of an emphasis on it because it, it is that particular time of year. Now, to be fair, I, I talk to people, uh, they, they comment on the Halifax Examiner website, well, my job, I'm required to track my work and, uh, you know, to do all this data entry. But it feels like in, in this instance, uh, or at least my understanding of it, is that a lot of this seems pointless or counter to the educational goal. Uh, can you comment on that? Or? Uh, yes, a little bit. I mean, uh, some of it is redundant, for sure. Some of it um, really gives no information to the teacher that uh, that they can use to uh, directly support their students. So it's it's data collection for the sake of data collection of, of the government or or the uh, the boards. And oftentimes, teachers don't really know the purpose of the collection of the data or why they're inputting certain things. So... You know, and, and when you when you look at the the amount of time that it takes teachers to input all of those uh, those items and and to upload documents and you know to do whatever they're doing, they're not given any extra time to do that. I mean, this is hours and hours and hours of work, but teachers are required to find time to do that. So, when they would normally be planning, uh, you know, best practice lessons for their students and trying to differentiate for students who learn differently within their classroom. That's what their time should be spent doing. Their their time shouldn't be taken over by entering data that is not helpful to them at all. We just have a few minutes. So I, want, I want to also, the government has put out some, some very large numbers mm-hmm. uh, saying that, hey, the teacher's ask here is, uh, you know, one number was a half a billion dollars. Um, you know, and I, I guess they're they're costing out over a period of six years or something um, what you're asking for. But of course, this was a, a starting point for negotiation on your on your part. But how do how do you respond to those big numbers that are being thrown out? It's difficult for us to respond to those numbers because we don't know exactly where those numbers are coming from. We don't have access to, um, for example, the salary scales of, of different bargaining units that would do things like data entry or photocopying or anything like that. We don't have those numbers. But, um, you know, some of the numbers that they did provide are, are repeats as well. So, for example, um, there are a number of clerical uh, duties that we've asked be done by, by somebody other than teachers. And the government has listed each of those things as, uh, you know, a, a person in a school who would be doing them. But they've listed them four times right. instead right. of just listing them once because it would be the one person that would do all four, for example, and then multiply that number by four again because, or at least two because there would be two years left of the contract if we had a four-year deal. Right. So we're, we're not really clear on, on the numbers exactly. Um, we feel that they're definitely exaggerated, but um, but we can't gives an, an, an exact counter to that. Lastly, um, you know, t- over the course of the past decade, teachers have always been considered, at least in, in the circles I run in, oh, that's the easy union. That's the, the union the government never has problems with. <laughs> and um, now we're, um, you, you're, the people you represent uh, arguably are the most potent political force in the province right now. Mm-hmm. What do you, what happened? Teachers are fed up, they're tired, they're exhausted. There are things being added to their plates constantly, but nothing is ever taken away. They have no time left. 
they leave at the end of the day feeling like they're failing their students because they have no time to plan, to prepare, to, to give students the one-on-one time that they deserve. And they are, they, they've had enough. They, they know that something has to change. They are in it for the students. They got into teaching for the students, and right now they don't feel like they are working in the best interest of the students. And, and, and like I said, they are ready. They're ready yeah. to take a stand, and, um, and it's time. It seems to have also caught um, the, the union itself off guard. Um, uh, there seems to have been, uh, and tell me if I'm being unfair here, a kind of revolt against the union um, by members wanting a more strident position. What happened was we had two tentative agreements that the membership turned down. Uh, and that may be where that's coming from, because those tentative agreements were recommended by the provincial executive, which is the governing body. Um, we, we are required to give that recommendation to teachers. The problem with it is that we bring the membership the best possible deal that we can get at the time, there was no other deal to get, which is why those agreements were brought to the membership. The membership was not happy. We knew they wouldn't be happy. Um, however, they are the ones who have to make a decision. They're the ones who have to vote. And we stand behind whatever they decide. And like I said, uh, we knew that at the table our hands were tied. We couldn't include anything monetary. We couldn't uh, deal with anything to do with salary. And uh, working conditions were a problem, and, and uh, we weren't able to get something concrete into the contract that would guarantee that workload issues and classroom conditions uh, would be addressed. And teachers were very upset about that. What happens now? We're going into the Christmas season. you got this job action. I, I suppose that everyone kind of uh, ignores it over the, the short uh, holiday break. Do you get back to the ne- negotiating table? Does the, the government start enforcing some of it, its stuff on its side? Or, or how does this end? Well, uh, I can't speak for the government. I don't know what the government is going to do. All I can tell you is that we're committed to reaching a deal. We're committed to being at the bargaining table. We're committed to talking with the government. We're, we're, uh, you know, we we want to do that. We want this solved. We don't want to take any job action at all. Um, however, we're in a place where where we we have to at this point. And um, but in saying that, we are willing to get back to the table, and and if we can get back there, we'll be there. We'll leave it there then. I, I appreciate your time today. No problem. I've been speaking with Liette Doucette, who is the president of the Nova Scotia Teachers Union, about the ongoing conflict between the union and the and the government. We'll return right after this.
I'm joined in the studio by Tina Roberts-Jeffers. Hi, Tina. Hello. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me. We we asked you in because you are a member of the group called Parents for Teachers. Yes. Uh, but m- before we get to that, can you very quickly tell us who you are? Sure. Um, I am a stay-at-home mom, primarily. I have um, three beautiful bright lights, as I refer to them, at home, a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a nine-month-old. I am also um, a community activist of sorts. Education is really important to me. Before moving to Halifax, I had been a school counselor. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, great. And what about Parents for Teachers? And um, I am involved with um, Nova Scotia Parents for Teachers, um, which started out as a relatively small group of people getting together who wanted to um, express our support for teachers. Um, The government had already announced that it had set aside funding for marketing campaigns and things like that, and we sort of wanted to proactively um, demonstrate that there are lots of people out there who support teachers and um, want the public to know that. You have a very large, the group has a very large uh, Facebook presence. Yes, What yes. are you up to now? Um, when I just checked, I think it was something like 12,290-something. But you're saying you also meet in person? Yes, yes. We um, we have uh, meetings in person. We have Skype meetings, um, a steering committee of maybe 10 to 12 people. Great. And what is it that you're concerned about? Um, I think that the main concern is just um, about how the negotiations have unfolded, how um, the relationship between teachers and the government is being framed in um, very antagonistic terms sometimes. Um, the government has, you know, announced that, you know, these are the wage packages and things like that for, you know, all of the unions, and they're not really willing to bargain in um fairly from our perspective and so um there's that and just you know the fact that teachers aren't really being listened to and yeah parents have a um they're an interesting aspect of of this entire labor issue here yes. because they they can be seen it's kind of in, in between or, or or a third peg that's that's uh, not necessarily on either side i mean obviously they're their uh, taxpayers and, and right. uh, citizens, but also they have uh, uh, children in the schools and a whole set of needs and, and responsibilities that go along with that. Right. What, what are parents telling you about, about their most immediate concerns? Right. Um, I mean, okay, so I have, I guess, I'd say conversations with two different types of parents. Um, one set of parents, um, fell closer to where my own position is, which is, you know, I support the teachers. Like, you know, I I don't, it's hard to know exactly, you know, what the package will look like, what the contract between the teachers and the province will look like. And um, I was reflecting, like, I don't have the time to get an economics degree in the next couple of months. I don't have the um, space and time to do research over the, over, of the, contracts over the last 30 years this what I know walking into the situation is that um, the teachers that I know are very supportive they show up for my children and I am willing to show up for them um, because you know the types of um, things that they're asking for you know a cost of living wage increase and reform within the system will theoretically benefit all of our children and then the other set of parents that I talk to are like 
but no, tell me, I, I really need to know specifics. What is this specifically about? Why don't they just accept the contract? And those people, I think, are mainly concerned about what, you know, this drawn out, what the impact of this drawn out process will be on their children. So whether it's through a strike or what we now know uh, will be work to rule, um, there's concerns about how um, this, what they see as political fight will impact what should be happening in classrooms, which is um, learning and, you know, yeah. educating. And so um, I think, yes. We're, we're talking on Thursday, and th- this goes out on, on Friday. The, yes. the work to rule uh, at job action starts on Monday. Yes. Um, which is, uh, I, I think everyone knows now that that means that teachers will look to the letter of their contract, right. their existing contract, so no after-school events and, and et cetera, et cetera. How is that? going to affect parents um i mean i think that for for many parents it'll obviously mean you know a deviation from yearly you know activities that they um, look forward to things like christmas concerts which oftentimes aren't just for having kids sign up to or having kids sing on a stage they're oftentimes fundraisers i know at the school that um, our daughter goes to that's where they um, collect donations to give food gift certificates and things like that to some of the families who are part of the school community who may not have extra resources for this time over winter break and things like that so I mean I think that many parents are concerned most concerned about what the impact will be on the most vulnerable um, families within their communities at least among the people that I talk to I've for, seen for a lot of people yeah having the kid in 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 after school sports program or, right. or theater or right. something like that is essentially uh, gives uh, say a single parent or, right. or other, right. uh, time to, to go to work. Yes, yes, for sure. And so that that's where the balance is, right? I, I saw s- several debates um, about whether the teachers should have did work to rule, whether they should have just um, went on strike and things like that. And I think that um, from my perspective, at least, this was the union trying to strike a balance. Yeah. Like if, if you um, do a full out strike, then that's just not trying to find child care for an hour or two from a neighbor after school. That's trying to find someone to be with your child during the times that you need to be at work, especially around the holidays. I, you know, it, it surprised me that um, the government was taking such a strong stance and not really willing to negotiate when this is the time for seasonal employment. This is the time for um, many families who don't have a lot of resources to pick up extra shifts and things like that. And um, the programs like Excel or some of the programs that watch children, you know, in the morning before school starts and in the evening um, or in the afternoon after school is over, those programs wouldn't actually be affected by the strike. So as long as the school day is still happening, even if some of those extra programs aren't, there's a little bit more stability. And so, yeah. On on perhaps a selfish side for the teachers, uh, uh, going to work to rule means uh, they continue to collect their paycheck. Right. um, Right right before the Christmas season. Yes, yes. Uh, So so that's a consideration. Yes. but I, I think uh, more importantly, it, it underscores just uh, all the extra work that teachers do and their commitment to students. So I, I think it's a a, a bright uh, or a smart way to 
to take a job action. Right. Um, what is it that, that you folks, the Parents for Teachers, what is it that you want to happen? Um, and so I'm, I'm speaking, you know, as a member of Parents for Teachers. Yeah. I, I, I'm not um, actually the spokesperson. So this is my um, best understanding of what we as a group want, um, which is for the government to negotiate in good faith for them to not do things like, you know, record a message about how they're so disappointed before talks even break down or for them for them to go into the process and um, sort of take off the conditions that they've put on and work with the teachers to identify a package that is both is, you know, meets their needs as the government, but also um, meets the needs of children across the system. I should say that we invited the, uh, someone from the Department of Education or from the McNeil government to come on right. the show, and they declined our yeah. our invite. So we would like to hear uh, their view on this, but uh, you know we don't have that. It strikes me as much is being made on, around the monetary uh, aspects of this, and, mm -hmm. and you know we we've been thrown out all these numbers like half a billion dollars and so forth. Yes. Um, but when I look at it, the teachers ask, uh, at least for their, their own salary, um, and this is a starting point for negotiations, right. is not crazy. Uh, a 2% raise is about matching inflation. Um, you know, to, to expect much less than that, especially a 0% raise is what right. the government is insisting on, yes. is effectively a cut in pay. It is, it is. And um, some of the people who have more of those types of skills um, within our group have calculated that it would be about a 4% decrease in actual wages over the course of the contract. Right. So it, it would be, um, it would mean cutting teachers' salaries in some ways. And it would, I, when, whenever we're talking about wages, because I did talk to some people who were like, ah, well, you know, most people don't get these benefits, someone who did buy into that argument. And I thought to myself, how is it that we've come to a place where we expect people to not be compensated well for the hard work that we do, especially people like teachers? Like we trust them to mold and shape the most important people in our lives in terms of as families, but we can't trust them with, you know, a decent salary. Like we can't trust that what they're asking for fits within what we can afford. And we, we invest in what we want to invest in, exactly. right? Yes. And so I, I totally reject the idea that we don't have enough resources um, to invest properly in education and to fix some of the problems that exist. Because if we don't fix them, then 20 or 30 years from now, like where are we gonna be if the kids can't get the education they need? There seems to be a, a strategy of pitting us against each other. Yes. Hey, look at that teacher, they're paid too much. I know, exactly, uh, which is just totally ridiculous to me. Not only are they a well-educated group of people, but for parents, like we witness every day the type of investment they make in kids that like, you know, my daughter's teacher, she'll meet with us during her lunch break. The yeah. one hour she gets uh, throughout the day to take a break from children and, you know, sort of the intensity of that work. She'll meet with parents. She'll, you know, and teachers participate in book clubs and all sorts of things during their free time because they are teachers and that's what they do. They show up, they try and do the best that they can. And I know all teachers aren't the same and I'm not, you know, trying to imply that they are, but I am implying that teachers work extremely hard and in my opinion should be well compensated for that work. Let's leave it there. All right. That's the parents view from Tina Roberts Jeffers, who is a member of Parents for Teachers. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. We'll return right after this.
I'm joined on the phone today by Kenzie Donnelly, uh, who is a student organizing what she calls Students for Teachers. Hi, Kenzie. Hi. Thanks for joining us. Of course. This is awesome. <laughs> um, tell us what your group is about. So Students for Teachers was formed on October 5th, and this was after um, teachers voted against the proposed um, contract deal by the government um, for the second time. And so we started this group to uh, show the government and um, Nova Scotians that students um, are validating what teachers are saying is happening in the classroom um, as far as class sizes and lack of resources um, and just show everyone that um, we really do appreciate everything that they do. Um, we know that their job is incredibly hard um, and they do so much extra things just because they really do care for us. So we just wanted to show everyone that we support our teachers throughout all of this and really get our voices out of there as the students affected. Okay, let me back up a little bit. You're, you're a student at Prince Andrew High School? Yes. Uh, what year are you? Grade 12. And what do you, what do you uh, hope to do after you leave school? I'll be studying political science and um, history at either Dalhousie or St. Apex. That's fantastic. And um, so you're obviously quite aware of the issues. Um, do you have family who are teachers, or is this just um, uh, something you've taken on yourself? Um, more so something I've taken on myself. Um, my aunt works um, at a school in Picto. She's an EPA. Uh -huh. um, so she's very understanding, and I hear a lot from her. Um, but it's more so comes from um, the fact that I've had so many great teachers um, mm -hmm. that have helped me through more than I can even put into words and um, just really being appreciative and um, aware of everything that they do for us and just very thankful to have them. Yeah, you've been active on this issue, you said, since November, is that right? Or uh, Since October. Since October. Um, how are your fellow students responding to your um, organization? Uh, we were overwhelmed by the amount of support it got so quickly from students. Students, especially when um, we started getting to talking about the walkout that we were planning, um, were incredibly supportive. And especially when we got to talking about um what was being fought over here in terms of better education for us and um, the lack of respect that is um, being given to our teachers that we have so much respect and love for. So when yeah. we started getting to talking about that and students really started realizing what the issues we were all discussing and what was being brought up in terms of the government and the union dispute now, um, they really became on board with all of this and um, wanted to get their voices out there as well. What do you see as the issues that directly affect students? So class size is just the biggest one, um, for me anyway. Uh -huh. um, so I don't think it's okay in any sense that we have high school students, um, me included, in classes of over 40 or signed up for classes um, with over 40 students in the next semester. It's so difficult for us to learn in that environment, yeah. especially when our classrooms are designed for around 20 students. And so it's small, we're all crammed in there. And we're all trying to learn while there's so much going on at once um, in terms of all the different learning styles, um, students on IPPs. And it's just we understand that it's a lot for a teacher as well to take all that on, um, having to work around the students with IPPs, obviously, and um, uh, marking, making the assignments, preparing. So we see that side, and it's yeah. very dis um, hard for us to learn in that, especially in courses where you need that more one-on-one, -on -one, like math, for example. Now, um, we, we're speaking on Thursday. You have planned this walkout 
for tomorrow and Friday, which uh, is actually right before this this show airs. You sent out a press release, and I'm looking at the list of schools involved: Prince Andrew, Dartmouth High, Auburn, Cole Harbor, Lakeview. It goes on and on. I, it, there's at least two dozen on this list, and you say and more. Yeah. Uh, so we're talking potentially thousands of students getting involved tomorrow. Yeah. So the group has um, gained members like crazy in the past few days. Um, so we're at over 2,000 now, and it's the same thing for the event group with um, over 2,000 people following that as well. So we're expecting some big numbers, and it's, I think in the release it was uh, over 45 uh-huh. um, schools, and um, there was more commenting on the post that I had made asking what specific schools even afterwards. So there's so many going on. What is your plan uh, for the walkout? So students are walking out of school at 1245. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that, we're all meeting up in front of our schools or in whatever area um, the schools had planned. And then from there, we're all rallying. So depending on where the schools are located, they'll be rallying at different places in support of teachers and against the government and what they're doing. Um, and, and so for an hour or so? Yeah, yeah. Um, depending. And so some schools, if they're close to an MLA's office, um, like I know Cole Harbor High in Auburn, they'll be going to... I believe Tony Ince's um, uh-huh. office and um, rallying outside of there. Um, us at Prince Andrew, we're rallying just um, by Main Street here um, as our um, MLA is Andrew Younger, and he's been incredibly supportive of us and what we've been doing for a while now. Uh-huh. Um, so we've been encouraging students to, if their MLA is nearby, um, to go to their office, let them know what they're doing in advance, so calling, um, sending them an email, and just making them aware of what's going on here. And on Facebook, you've been uh, repeatedly and very clearly uh, stating that uh, this is student-led and that uh, there aren't yeah. any teachers or politicians who are who are kind of pushing you in this direction. Mm-hmm. So yeah. this whole group and everything that we've done has been student-led 110%. Um, you, you've yourself have gone to the legislature and, and, yeah. and met with the premier. Mm-hmm. So how, how was that? It was, I mean... Um, he kind of gave, this, or gave me the same rhetoric that they've been um, talking for a while now in terms of we've invested in this, this, and this, we've given this much money, but at the end of the day, we see what's happening in our classrooms, and it's really hard um, for us to believe the things that they're saying when we know from our personal experience of being in the classroom that it's untrue. So that was the sense that I got, but and it was the same thing we've met with um Joyce Treen and Keith Caldwell as well, right. liberal MLAs um, from around my area, and it was this kind of same idea there. And so we appreciate the fact that they've um, met with us and sat down to talk to us, though we don't feel it was um, super productive or that um, that they really listened and took in what we were saying in terms of the issues that we feel are important. Yeah, I can't imagine that uh, any of your teachers uh, have a problem with you uh, uh, doing this action uh, on Friday. Teachers are not allowed to encourage students to leave class, um, and we're totally aware of this, and we know. Um, and we have, re- but we have received um, a lot of messages from teachers saying that they totally support what we are doing. Um, a lot of them took part in um, the protests that happened in the '80s, that whole walkout that happened in right. I think it was '87. So. Um, they totally know where we're coming from and support us. Some, though, um, appreciate the support, but uh, don't think we should be leaving class to do it. Um, and with that being said, though, we totally still stand by what we're doing. 
um, we see both sides, but we feel like what we're doing is right. Great. Well, good luck. Uh, I hope it's not raining <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> <Same here. laughs> uh, I, I think it's wonderful that young people uh, and students are, are getting involved politically around this issue, and, and so um, it's it's really great to talk to you. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay, so I, I've been speaking with Kenzie Donnelly, who is the organizer of Students for Teachers, and they're planning on a walkout from uh, high schools on, on Friday, right before the show airs. Uh, we'll return right after this. That's a wrap for this week's Examiner Radio, the weekly podcast and radio show produced by the Halifax Examiner. I'm Tim Buske. And I'm Russell Gregg. As always, we'd love to know what you think. If you have comments on what you've heard or story suggestions for future episodes, please send us an email to podcast at halifaxexaminer.ca. Until next week, your word is edumacation. <laughs>